What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zinn. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on Sirius XM Triumph, Channel 132. Chase Masner is an Iraq War veteran, a husband, a father. His wife told us she dropped him off at a quick trip in Cobb County where he works. His family says he was last seen at a friend's house in Kennesaw three years ago on March 27th. It's like he vanished from that home not to be seen or heard from again. Living the last three years with the not knowing and without him here is pure hell. Despite some intense searching, few clues have been found. She tells me that as a mother, in her heart, she feels her son Chase is dead. We have absolutely no answers at all. Not even the slightest clue in three years. We have been on the search now for months and months, joining together with a family in grief, a family looking for their boy, a boy turned man. A boy that turned into a soldier for our country, a father, a husband. The search for Chase Masner. Finding Chase Masner. Today, answers. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. We learn in the late, late afternoon. The worst, I believe, the worst possible scenario unfolds. Joining me right now. 
Daniel Wilkerson from Channel 46. Daniel is standing outside the medical examiner's office. Daniel, what happened? I tell you, it, it, it's been a shock for everyone. Uh, right now, I'm standing outside again, the medical examiner's office here in Cobb County, and uh, we think we may get the preliminary results. Uh, right now, they have just told us that they found a body uh, in the backyard of that home in Kennesaw. Uh, they have not made a positive ID as of yet, but uh, I was speaking with uh, Chase's mother, Stephanie, late last night, and she feels that this is Chase. Uh, police have told her something uh, that has made her uh, think that apparently there was something that they found with the body uh, that makes them think that this is, in fact, Chase. I wonder if it's the cell phone or some other object belonging to him that she could easily identify. But the reality is, Daniel Wilkerson, come on, get real, my man. <laughs> I mean, a body is found underneath basically a porch under cement, and it is at the home where the last sighting of Chase Masner went down. Okay, of course it's him. I don't need a medical examiner to give me the dental records or the DNA to tell me this is Chase Masner. We have found Chase Masner. And I really wonder, I really wonder, Daniel Wilkerson, if it weren't for you and your reporting and our digging and showing up at the police station and tromping through the neighborhood and reinvestigating the case, if anything would ever have happened. Because really, what it boiled down to is taking dogs back to the scene. Tell me how the whole thing unfolded, Daniel Wilkerson. Well, about a month ago, uh, Team Chase, it was really Team Chase who organized a canine search. We took two canine dogs out. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Hold on. i got to give them the credit because they were on this before you were on it, before I was on it, before anybody else was on it. This team of people that would not let it go, as they call themselves Team Chase. Okay, tell me about them taking a dog back to the scene. Yeah, and, and we invited uh, the Cobb County cold case unit to come out. Of course, they were with us. And uh, Tracy, who, who has a, a canine uh, team, she brought her dogs out. We first went into the basement um, there in Kennesaw of that home, Brad Clement, his old home. Uh, the dogs looked around. They did not find anything in the basement. And then they took them to the backyard. And it took a little while. Uh, they did not initially search up close to the house, just thinking, you know, that, you know, who would bury a body uh, that close to a home. And then uh, about midway through the day, they took the dog one at a time uh, near <coughs> the back door. Uh, there is a deck that comes off of that back door. And strangely, there was a piece of cement. Uh, it looked like a makeshift foundation about the size of a body uh, that was just in the middle of uh, the underneath that deck. And it looked strange. Uh, she brought one dog, and all of a sudden, that dog uh, just sat down right in the spot, right next to that concrete. And then she then uh, went and got another dog, took the other dog back, got another dog. He sat down in the same place, and we were just flabbergasted. Okay, let me set this. Let me set the scene because there is a no way, no way that this was an accident. The burying or the disposal of this body. And that leads me to my next conclusion. If you bury a body in secret, the question is why? Okay, why? Why don't you call 911? Why don't you scream out for help? Why? What is it about the body that makes you go bury it under a porch, under cement, in the backyard? 
let, let's start at the beginning. I jumped the gun and went to the end. With me, Daniel Wilkerson from Channel 46, standing outside the medical examiner's office right now, waiting on word, because the cause of death on Chase Masner, man, I never even thought I was going to be saying those words. I always held out. There was a, a chance, just a chance, that he had dropped off the grid and was living under a bridge in California. I don't know what I thought. I guess I was hoping this would not be the outcome. But let, let's start at the beginning. Lee Egan from CrimeOnline.com has also been on the case from the very, very beginning. Lee, unfold the scenario. Chase goes to Iraq, okay, comes back home. Beautiful wife, two little girls, Amanda. And she was under suspicion, too. She had not been ruled out in my mind. But when I met her and talked to her, there was really no doubt in my mind. Amanda had nothing to do with this. Tell me how it all unfolds. He comes home, they start having financial problems, and what happened, Lee Egan? Yeah, he was, the rumor was that they were fighting a lot. Um, when we spoke to Amanda last time, she Wasn't a rumor, Lee. She told me. Amanda told me. Okay, well, the rumor was that she was constantly throwing him out of the car, which I don't know how much of that is true. She did say the one night they got in a really big fight, her children were in the back seat, and they stopped the car, and he got out because... They didn't want to fight in front of the kids. And it was that little thing right there that sparked all kinds of rumors that she was possibly involved, which after we met her, I don't, I do not think she is whatsoever. Well, wait a minute. I also remember Lee Egan, Daniel, Daniel, Mm -hmm. uh, we'll always have the flop house, Daniel, me and you, because you remember the morning that we showed up bright and early because I said, look, anybody uh, that stays out all night and parties and drinks, et cetera. They, they're like vampires, okay? They want to sleep late. And we showed up at his door. I don't even know what time it was. Early in the morning. Started banging. Pretty early. And he, sure enough, he was in there asleep. And we got him. And we talked to him. And his story did not exactly fit together. But he his demeanor, he seemed, you know, friendly and affable. But then, Daniel... Every time we tried to reach him to take his polygraph, he'd leave town or he'd have an excuse. Or right after we were there, he suddenly quit his job and left. He did. Yeah. You know, the, all the signals were there. Every time we got close to him, he'd disappear. So take it from there. Daniel Wilkerson, Channel 46. He comes home. They have problems. And yes, Amanda put him out of the car. She told me that herself. Lee is right. So then what happens that day? She uh, put him out of the car. Um, she said that she was not just going to leave him on the side of the road. She tried to calm him on the side of the road. Uh, she was able to talk him back into the car, and they decided that, that Chase would be dropped off at his place of employment. He worked, of course, at the QT, the Quick Trip, uh, there in Kennesaw, uh, probably less than two miles from Brad's home. They uh, went to the QT, and that is the last time that Amanda says that she saw uh, her husband. And so... Once at the QT, uh, Brad, play, uh, excuse me, uh, Chase places a call to Brad. Brad tells uh, Chase that he is at that point uh, at a computer store picking up some parts. Chase tells Brad that he wants him to come pick him up. And uh, so that is what happened. Brad shows up at the quick trip. He says that they stayed there for about uh, 30 minutes and that, you know, we, we had heard rumors that inside Chase was acting kind of erratic. Brad said that it was just Chase being Chase. Other people said that as well. At any rate, they leave the quick trip, Brad and Chase, and they go to uh, Brad's home. This is all according to Brad. 
where they uh, sit in Brad's home in his uh, bedroom all night discussing the problems that the relationship uh, yeah the the relationship. relationship problems the marital and, you know, problems. So hold on, Daniel Wilkerson joining me right now is a key member of Team Chase who's been looking for Chase Masner from the very, very beginning. Kim Harris joining me. Kim, thank you so much for being with us. First of all, I want to hear your reaction to what we now know. That is Chase under that patio. I know that it's him. I don't need a medical examiner to tell me that. I want to hear your response. I agree. Um, I'm... I'm in shock that it took over three years and I feel like we all knew three years ago, but none of us would have ever expected it to be in for him to have buried him in his own backyard. And basically for it to be right under everyone's noses this whole time. Right. Here's the thing. Absolutely. So where Daniel left off daniel wilkerson left off so chase and amanda have another argument look you don't go to school your whole life go become a war hero come back to go work at the quick trip okay that you don't grow up thinking hey i want to sell slushies at the quick trip no you don't think that but he was having all sorts of problems uh allegedly having post-traumatic stress syndrome from being in iraq Really hard time being away from his mom. They were very close uh, with his wife, his two little girls. Had a really hard emotional time. He comes home. He can't assimilate back into civilian life. It's not working. He and Amanda fight all the time. They've got a brand new baby, no money. You know, just a really bad scene for everybody. A lot of arguing. So there's no doubt about it. Kim, she puts him out of the car, right? And ultimately, that night, says, okay, okay, I'll take you over, and you can go be at Brad's, stay at Brad's place tonight. They go the quick trip. She leaves him. Bam. Never sees him again. It's amazing to me, Kim, that all this time, he's been right there. So that night, Brad Clement, entered good friend, Brad Clement, He says they stay up all night long talking about the relationship and that the next morning Chad chases asleep, won't wake up. And then for some reason, inexplicably, he invites a construction crew working on his house for a barbecue in the backyard. And in the middle of all that, he catches the backyard on fire. I'm talking about Brad. I mean, Kim, how obscure is that scenario it doesn't make sense and now we know why it was all a cover-up Kim it was and I actually am the one that talked to Brandon Buck on the recording that you have um and everything that he told me the walkthrough of the house all of that was cover-up I, I knew it from the very beginning we all knew from the very beginning and it just it makes it so tough because he was an adult and he had the right to walk away. And until they were able to have enough evidence to say that he didn't just walk away, we were stuck. And never did we think it would be three years later. And honestly, you guys thank us, but we thank you guys. Because without, without y'all, we wouldn't be here right now. You know what? I just wish that with all of Daniel Wilkerson's work and all of Crime Online, attention to it and writing about it and conducting interviews, I just wish there had been a different outcome Let's take a listen 
to what Brad Clement, the last person to have seen Chase alive, had to say what he told me and Daniel to our faces. Listen. Did you go under the premise that Amanda had come and picked him up from your house while you were at Lowe's? I always thought she picked him up when I was either like right where I was at Publix or right when I got back. Like, because when I went upstairs to go get him, um, I mean, I was like, I ran up there because I had set the backyard on fire. And I was like, man, did you, you know, I just remember I was kind of like really, you know, I had a lot of energy because I just put out this big fire in my backyard. And uh, that's when I realized he wasn't there. And then I, you know, the roofers, because they had just come inside because I had to get them off the roof because it was so smoky. And, you know, I asked them, I was like, did y'all see my buddy leave? And, you know, they were like, you know, who, you know, didn't like nobody was there, like type deal. And, you know, the other uh, three Hispanic guys didn't really speak English. So, you know, I just kind of, you know. Talked to the one. Yeah, Brandon. Yeah. But, I mean, I was always in the impression that they thought that they saw him leave just because they were up there on the roof. And, you know, I was coming and going. And, you know. But they didn't. I, I guess not. I mean, I always thought they did. But there was a voicemail. Wasn't there a voicemail where you left Chase a voicemail on his phone? Hey, man, where did you go? Something like that in there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's that's when I was, like, calling him, you know, trying to, you know, figure out, you know. But that's what he always did. He always left, you know, and just wouldn't return my calls, like, for a couple of days. And then we'd be like, yo, man, I'm all right. You know, I'm doing such and such. Or I left with Amanda. And because that was the first time I talked to him, that's the same thing he did. Like, they just he just left, you know, and didn't really tell me he was leaving. And, you know, Amanda would just show up all of a sudden. And I think she'd be like, hey, I'm here. Come on, let's go. And that was that. But in the voicemail, didn't you say, hey, man, the roofers saw you leave. Where'd you go? Something like that? I mean, I don't know. I was probably just saying that just so he'd come back. Like, I mean, because I I just wanted to. I bought all this food, too. And I I had, like, you know, just a bunch of it went to waste. And I wanted him to come back just to kind of, you know, eat some food and kind of squash the whole thing with him and Amanda. Like, I really wanted to. Like, I really thought it was helping at this point. So I really wanted to talk to him, like, both, you know, and kind of just like like i said i mean at this point i thought it was helping out you know and you know i guess you know they they had their own agenda or whatnot i mean when you went over there Mm -hmm. to see her that night after she called you and wanted you to come over Mm -hmm. did you ever say well didn't you pick him up yeah I mean, that's that's the whole thing I told her when she, she called say? me the first time. She's like, no, I didn't pick him up. Like, and then that was that. Like, like, you know, and then we would talk about something else. It was just, like, that's that was the, the big thing was that she just never seemed that worried. Like, she never seemed like she didn't know where he was. Like, that it was, you know, she was more wanting to get stoned or just kind of wanting to, you know, I guess just you know get on with her life or something. I, I don't know it was just she never seemed that concerned so that is what Brad Clement told Daniel and I that early morning and we were there forever Daniel we wouldn't let him out of our sight no in fact uh, we guarded the door when he did did I even let him take a shower or no <laughs> no you know Remember? when we came in one thing that really struck me you kind of talked about his uh his countenance once we got there if you remember Nancy 
when we got there, we went in, uh, you sat on his bed, he grabbed a chair, I sat on the side, and he went and grabbed a bowl of cereal from the refrigerator and started eating it. He, he got done with it and said he wanted to go smoke a cigarette. You said, hey, you can go smoke a cigarette on the patio, come back. And, and we stood started. right there and stared at him so he couldn't get away. Yes. And I will admit that when I kept saying I went, had to go to the bathroom, I did go search his bathroom. I was just trying to find out if there was anything in there that could connect back to Chase Masner. Okay? Say what you want. I know you laughed at me later. I did. But I, yeah, I went through everything, everything I could find, just looking, just trying to find anything, anything that would relate back to Chase. So on that day, he gave this story. And I did notice then that he kept adding obscure, odd details to things. And he really, you know it, Daniel, he really pointed the finger at Amanda. And he cooked up the scenario that while he was out running errands that morning, the morning Chase was killed. Chase was killed sometime during the night of the morning because he gave that tour of the home to people on the construction crew. I don't believe any of them ever saw Chase, and he blamed it, Brad blamed it, on Chase moving bedrooms. I don't know if he was even alive that day. I think he may have been killed during the night. Because well, I will tell you, that's, you, you mentioned that uh, fire in the backyard when he uh, went out to barbecue for the roofers. I spoke with Brandon uh, Duck after the dogs hit in the backyard. Because I wanted to know exactly where that grill was and what part of the backyard caught on fire. And, in fact, it was, according to the roofer, it was the same area where those dogs hit. Whoa. Well, speaking of Brandon Duck, who was running the construction crew, I seem to believe I got a piece of him, too. Take a listen. How would you describe Brad's behavior during those two days? Or or while you guys were eating the barbecue? He was just um, all over the place, like on edge, real hyper, didn't have much of an appetite. Didn't what? He didn't really have, didn't, he was talking all over the place, talking real fast all the time. Took him a while to eat. Did he ever even mention Chase? Yeah, he said, he said his friend was gone, and um, that kept asking if we saw him leave and stuff, but we never saw him there to begin with. There was something you tripped over in the backyard? Yeah, it was a, um, like a little grave that he said was for, I think, a dog or something. And it was right outside the fence. There's a, like, a little headstone. So that was Brandon Duck. And I had heard so much about him, but he seemed pretty straightforward when I spoke to him. Um, and I believed him. The only story that really never made sense, despite his demeanor, was Brad Clement. The story just didn't fit together. And do you remember, you remember, Daniel, he kept pointing the finger at Amanda and even cooked up the scenario and gave it to me and you with a straight face that he thought while he was gone or at some juncture that Chase got a call from Amanda, went outside, and she picked him up and left, and nobody ever told him. That was what he told us. Remember? Yes, yes. And then you have to also remember the fact that he took According to his own admission, he took Chase's phone um, for a couple of trips 
Yeah, we didn't think that made sense either. Why would you take somebody's cell phone? And he told us, Daniel, he did it so Chase wouldn't leave. And he kept pounding home to you and me. He kept saying, that was Chase's MO. He would just get up and leave and never tell me. Remember, he kept saying that over and over and over. That was a big red flag. He kept blaming Amanda, just outright blaming her. But when we spoke to Amanda, she she didn't blame Brad. She pointed out problems with the story, but... She wasn't trying to point the finger really at anybody else. Guys, I want to I want to thank our partner in addition to our awesome guest today, Daniel Wilkerson from Channel Channel 46 who's been on the case. Kim Harris who's been on the case from the very beginning trying to find Chase Masner. Lee Egan from crimeonline.com who never gave up. Alan the Duke Duke joining me also on the story. I want to take a listen to what who emerged as a potential suspect. But I'm telling you, after I met her and her sister and really got to know them, and then she pursued me to come back for a polygraph. I mean, I've never had a potential suspect in a case ask me, will you please take my polygraph? I'll fly back to town with my children in tow and you give me a polygraph. Never happened in the history of of the earth by a person who's guilty. After she did that, I'm like, oh, you know what? You're fine. Don't worry about it. But take a listen to what Amanda Masner say. She took a lot of heat online. A lot of people blamed her when she packed up and moved out of town. Why? Because everybody was treating her like she was the killer. But she wasn't. And now we know the truth, the whole truth. Listen to what Amanda says. So the day he goes missing... You're in court. When did you start trying to find Chase? When I got out of court. I mean, I was texting him, like on and on. Did he ever text back? And no. I didn't speak to him one time that first day. The last time you spoke to him was when you dropped him off. Or, or that night when you said, check and see if you're okay. Correct. Do you believe Chase committed suicide? Either on purpose or inadvertently. It doesn't matter what I believe. It matters to me. Well, then maybe off the record you and I can talk about that. We're trying to figure out if you, the person that knew him the best, thinks he was killed or met with foul play. I don't believe that. You don't believe somebody killed him? I don't. Do you think there's any chance he's still alive? No. You just heard Chase's wife, Amanda, and the pain and the emotion of all this is still just below the surface with her. She burst out crying. Her sister started crying uh, after we had spoken with them. I mean, it just, it doesn't take much to to really, really bring out her emotions regarding the disappearance of her husband, the father of her children. They're alone now. They got nobody. True, she and Chase argued a lot after he came home from Iraq for many different reasons. But that doesn't mean she doesn't love him to this very day. And to find out he's buried beneath a a patio, beneath a slab of cement. Well, you know what? I couldn't write this if I were writing it in a crime novel. I couldn't make it up. But last night, believe it or not, Brad Clement, Calls Daniel Wilkerson. Listen. They OD'd at my house. 
I would have just called the cops or called 911. I'm mm-hmm. not the nurse. Like, I know that it's not like they would have arrested me if you would have OD'd at the house. Mm-hmm. So you, you're saying you were just as shocked when you heard that there was a body. How did you find out about it? Wait, you came over to my house and told me about it. I mean, I don't understand why they didn't find it the first time. Well, Tracy, the, the the one with the dogs, Tracy, she told me that she thought Cobb County had, had uh, Cobb County police had uh, searched. She said she never searched your backyard. I mean, I, I thought they had already gone through there and searched it before. Like, I mean, they had horses back there, and like, I, I'm pretty sure they they had gone back there before. Well, I was there when the dogs came when they brought the dogs out. And I mean, both of the dogs independently went and sat right in that area where they found Chase, or where they found the body. Yeah, I'm sure that's what they do. I mean, I just gotta get switch reading. I gotta get a shit kind of money and fucking do something that fucking I didn't even fucking do. They're fucking trying to help someone out. I'm sure they. I'm sure they'll offer you a public defender. I'm not gonna take a public defender. I mean, if you couldn't afford. An attorney. I can't afford a fucking attorney. Well, I'm gonna have to. I'm just trying to see what what reason would a person have for setting you up, though. I I, I have no clue. Why why would I fucking kill Kate? Like, uh, that's a much better question. I just I just don't fucking see how or, or why. It's just like why? What the fuck did I do to deserve? So, Daniel Wilkerson, let's break down what Brad Clement tells you. They find a dead body in his backyard, okay? What do you make of his conversation? Well, you heard him there. He says that it is a setup and that he was as shocked as anyone. He told me, uh, like you said, a I had... A setup by who? The construction crew? That's what I asked him. I said, I said, who, who would set you up, Brad? He said, I don't know. He said, why would I kill Chase? Yeah, why would he? That's my question. I'll tell you what's going to answer a lot of questions is what the medical examiner has to say. If Chase ends up with a lot of drugs in his system, uh, it's a lot different than if he ends up with a blow to his head. Okay? So the medical examiner is going to have a lot to tell us. Right, Daniel? That is right. That is right. Um, And like I said, we expect that preliminary report, uh, and we'll just see. But, yeah, Brad, uh, he says that he doesn't feel like he should have to lower you up, but at this point, what? he says that's what he is going to do. <laughs> Hold on. I, Kim Harris uh, from Team Chase is with us in addition to Lee Egan and Daniel Wilkerson and Alan Duke. Kim, what's your response? A setup. It, it makes no sense. Someone went to the extreme to set him up. And mind you, Brad made it very clear to us in the very beginning, week one, that he has video cameras, had video cameras around the entire property. So for someone to bury a body in his backyard and then be so nice to come back however long later and cover it with cement, it makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, the the setup, hold on, guys. I think joining me right now is another very special guest that may shed light on this. It's Sherry and Marietta from Team Chase. Sherry, what an unfolding of events. I had been hoping against hope for a different answer, Sherry. But literally, it was right under our noses. We've all been tromping through that yard. It's just incredible to me that it's taken three years. Sherry, weigh in. 
I'm, I'm with Kim. I think it's um, for somebody to go that to that extreme. Um, she and I both stood in the driveway the first night that we went to speak to him. And like he said, there's cameras. There's a camera that just last week is still there, as a matter of fact. I went by the house myself. There's still a camera right outside the garage door, right where you saw the truck taking the medical examiner's truck yesterday. And to not be able to go back and get that to see who did that to him, come on now. If you got cameras, go pull it up. Go show us who did this. But we all know who did it. Sherry, the fact that there are cameras really limits what he could have done, how he could have disposed of the body if the cameras were even working. Exactly. Let's go out to the lines. Joe in Florida. Hi, Joe. What's your question? Hey there, Nancy. I have, I have a few comments uh, which, which lead to questions. Uh, I can't believe the stupidity of so many perps uh, to bury a body right in their own backyard. I mean, even well, the, he did manage to trick us for three years, though. Even, so, yeah, you know, even the, he got it over on us for a while. Even a despicable Casey Anthony buried the baby a few blocks away. You know, I, I mean, but, but I'm looking at it, and I can't believe the stupidity. And yes, it it it, it was, uh, and it's a heartbreaking story of this veteran, uh, no question. And he must have been in absolutely terrible shape, and and nobody was getting him help. You know, and by the way, I don't want to make light of this. And Joe, he was a young guy. He had his whole life in front of him, yeah. and he was really battling some demons, yeah. uh, I think, as a result of coming home from Iraq. It's heartbreaking. Wait a minute. Let's talk about what he said, the stupidity of Brad Clement. Hold on. Think about it. Was he stupid? Was he crazy or crazy like a fox? Because, think about it, Joe, everybody knew Everybody knew Chase had been at his house. They knew he had been here, been there. He had a construction crew on his roof for Pete's sake. So what's amazing to me, and I'm going to throw this to Kim Harris on Team Chase. What's amazing to me is not, I, I'm not regarding it as stupidity. I'm regarding it as great cunning on his part that given the confines of the house, that there was a construction crew on the top. It's in a neighborhood. Somehow, he managed to get the body out of the house and bury it under everybody's noses and cover it with a slab of cement. What about that, Kim? I wouldn't say it's crazy. More crazy like a fox. Well, you're absolutely right, because in the beginning, our biggest fight was we wanted that dumpster search. Um, that's honestly, we, we thought answers were at the landfill. Never, ever did any of us think the backyard. So you're right. Okay. Also with me is a guest from Team Chase who has been on this from the very, very beginning, Sherry and Marietta. What do you make of Joe's theory? He was stupid. And my counter theory, it wasn't stupid at all. Um, you know, like you say, put it right in front of their face and they'll never see it. And I think he believes his own story. So everything that he comes out with is truth to him in a roundabout way. I think he tells him, I think he tells his own truth with his lies, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know what? Let's analyze what she just said, Daniel Wilkerson. For those of you just tuning in right now, we have been on the trail of finding Chase Masner, a very handsome young guy an Iraqi war vet who comes home, can't find a job, has a beautiful wife, two beautiful little girls that adore him. He can't fit into civilian life. He's, he's all messed up from Iraq. And suddenly he goes missing. And I got to tell you, what really broke my heart 
Daniel Wilkerson is talking to his mom. Mm-hmm. Remember the oh. when we went out there yeah. and we sat down with her and talked to her, and she just she she had out those pictures. Hold on, Alan Duke, do you remember? We went out to talk to her, and she had out on the dining room table all the pictures of Chase as a little boy. And I, and I got to tell you, it's really upsetting me because I think of all the pictures I have of the twins, and you know how. How much they mean to me, and she had all those pictures out. And when she tried to show them to us, Alan, she broke down crying. Remember? I there was not a dry eye in that room back in March when we sat down and talked with her in her home. I mean, that's what I keep thinking about, Daniel. Yeah, and I tell you, um, I was on the phone with her until late last night, and um, I think in some ways uh, she is relieved because she all along she told you, Nancy, that she just wanted to find. Her son, um, she got the news from police as she was uh, driving to the airport yesterday. Thankfully, her husband was in the car with her and police told her uh, before they even notified her to pull over and let uh, her husband drive. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, she she's in pieces, as you would imagine. I just can't um, even imagine it. I mean, right now, just no. I'm just getting chills all over my arms. We spent so much time with her and I wanted a different outcome so much daniel i didn't want it to be this way so much and nancy don't forget uh that right after we spoke with brad that day we had a meeting and brought together brad and stephanie chase's mom that's right and she had all the questions for him and you know when i look back on it you can see the awkwardness he had toward i i just chalked it up to him being um you know an awkward person but remember how awkward he was when the mom had questions for him, and he was answering in monosyllables, and she tried to hug him, and he just kind of like stood there like a wet cat. I mean, it just, it was all there, Daniel. It was all right in front of us. Yeah. And he was adding details when he spoke with the mom that day. That's of course, right. I had heard the story, I don't know, his account from him, I don't know, by that time, probably six or seven times, you had heard it two or three times from him. And when I was sitting there with you and Stephanie and Brad, he was adding details that he had never told me. And I thought that was odd. Daniel, we talked about that. Remember how uh, adding details is not always the kiss of death. But when you start changing details and his story started slightly changing during all that, it's really hard for me to accept that the search is over. You know, Daniel Wilkerson, when... They were digging up the body just a couple of hours ago. What was the team telling you? I mean, what do they think is going to be the cause of death? I mean, what was it about those remains that they could immediately identify? This is Chase. You know what? I do not know what was down there. There was something, though. When I arrived, they had not yet, they had made the dig, but they had not yet taken the body up. Well, what did you see? I saw I stood on the side of the house so I could just see a mound of dirt. But, um, of course, the lead investigator, he came out and spoke with me and I asked him whether or not the body was intact. And he told me uh, that it was. But he made a face that indicated to me that there was something else uh, either there or I, I don't know exactly what the face was. But I was there as they wheeled the body around. And they uh, put it into the medical examiner's vehicle. And at that point, what I saw was a white tarp. And it looked like any other 
body inside a bag that I had ever seen. Of course, I couldn't see the body, but yeah, it, gotcha. you could tell that. Yeah, you couldn't pretty, tell. It, it was a body. Well, you could tell from his expression there's something about the body. It's not dismembered. It's intact, but there's something about it. Um, I wonder if they already know just from a cursory look. Out to the lines, Brian in Detroit. Hi, Brian. What's your question? Not really a question. I'm just happy that it's over. And I just want to thank you and your team for helping out. I am one of the ones that's been following the case for since it began. I uh, deployed with Chase. I lived with him for some time. He was a really close friend. And I'm just I'm glad to see the search is over. I just hope the truth comes out. And I want to thank you for everything you did and uh, knocking on his door and going after him and everything. It was awesome to see somebody finally, you know, caring enough to do do something about it. So thank you for that. Brian, that really means a lot to me. That really means a lot to me. Out of all the cases I ever prosecuted, I remember the only thing that really matters in the end is when family and friends care about what you did. You said you you know Chase. Tell me about him. He he loved life. He was um I knew the military side of him that the family oriented side he loved his family um when uh they were some moving around and i had gone through a divorce and uh before i found a place chase let me stay with him and i stayed with him for a couple months and uh him and amanda they were always happy they you know they they loved each other they had um they he loved his kids he was just so happy all the time he was always smiling hilarious one of the funniest guys i've ever met um he was just full of life. I, just anybody would have enjoyed to be around him. He was one of the greatest guys I've ever known in my life. I'm just drinking in and just taking in what you said and thinking about what his life could have been. He was trying really hard to work things out with his wife, and she was trying too. They did not want a divorce. They wanted to stay together. He had two little children to raise. He had his whole life in front of him. That will never happen. These children will grow up with a dad. The only thing really right now, like you said, Ryan, is we now know what happened. We know what happened. And I don't know what kind of peace that's going to bring the mom yeah, I just I hope that I hope that the lies from from Brad then stop, and I hope he just tells the truth wholeheartedly what happened, so there's some full closure. To Kim Harris on Team Chase, I'm, I'm listening to what Brian is saying, and it's it's really bringing home about a life cut short, as if we didn't already know that. But the way he says it is so poignant to me, Kim. At the very beginning, Daniel Wilkerson and I both saw big holes, big problems with Brad Clement's story. When did you grow to suspect what he was saying? Immediately. Immediately. Um, that Within a week, we actually went out. Sherry Dunn um, was with me and several other people. We went out to Brad's house, and we went for answers. Some of Chase's friends went with us. Um, it was a group of us and we went for answers and his story was conflicting immediately. I actually spoke to him on the phone 
earlier that day. And he told me a totally different story than he told the detective that day and then turned around and told us a whole nother story when we got there. So immediately his story was always shaky. Yeah. You know, Daniel Wilkerson, you and I both had big problems with his story, but when we met with him, his demeanor was like, you know, a laid back dude, kind of like the guy that never gets out of that uh, living in your messy bedroom college phase that kind of got stuck there. And he seemed willing to talk to us, but then every time we wanted to go a step further, he'd just disappear. Mm-hmm. Basically, I had to go grab him by the collar and get him in the car. But and then even after that, even after uh, the dogs uh, hit on human remains, which was a month ago, um, I spoke with Brad after that. And he said that he, um, he was, again, shocked. But his concern, he says, was for the people, the new owners that live there. He said, why are you guys taking these people through this? And I thought it was odd. I said, well, Brad, you know, it, this may be an opportunity for you to clear your name. But he was concerned, he said, about the new owners. What about them? He, he thought that we were just taking. You don't think they'd want to get the dead body out of their backyard? He was. He says he was concerned about them. And I thought that was a little odd. Right after that, he took off with his family, he says, to a beach, to, to a vacation on the beach. And he, he was there for two and a half weeks. And um, that's when he brought contact with me. In the past, he had always returned calls from me within a day or two. But then he went completely silent uh, until yesterday. A lot is going to depend on what we learn from the medical examiner. All of us, Daniel Wilkerson, Sherry, Kim, Alan, Lee, we're all standing by to hear those results. I want to take one last listen to Chase's mom. And if you agree with me, you will know we have to find justice for Chase Massner. The first several weeks, they were not actively investigating because in their words, it's not a crime to be missing. If he wanted to walk away... It's not a crime. Okay, let's talk about that. Had he ever in his life gone this long without texting you or calling you? Ever? Never. And you know what I say? If you don't know a horse, look at his track record. So what somebody has done in the past, they're likely to do again. If he had gone his whole life texting you and calling you every what? Day? Other day? What? All the time. Then why would he quit that day? Right. And say... To H-E-double-L with my mother. See, I don't believe that. I don't either. I just, I just want to know the truth. I want to know what happened to Chase. Do you believe Chase is still alive? I do not. Now, are you saying that with your heart and your head, or? Uh, yes. I, I don't believe he's alive. Can you think of a reason that anyone would have wanted him dead. Not a single reason. I've lived the last three years not knowing. And every single day is just hell. We're on the case. Stay with us. Nancy Grace, Crime Stories, signing off. Goodbye, friend. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 